All right, let's uh, let's get going here. So here I have. Oh, oh look, I'm a little hot. Oh, let's. Okay, then, thank you. So that's that's Oliver. And as you can tell, he's a he's a new baby. As I was telling uh, some people this morning, he he really has one emotion right now, which is if he's hungry or needs mommy or whether he needs a diaper change. But it's basically, is is he in need or not? Right? He's he's a new creation, and really, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Is is kind of new creation, and and I also want to show you this picture of Oliver because. I like the screamy baby face. Every single baby announcement I've done, I have five children now. I always have the, the screamy baby face in there. Um, you know, and you know, the fact that I did have Oliver just what, four and a half weeks ago, Marie, six weeks ago, time flies when you have a new baby. Um, a lot of things have changed. My my ability to sleep at night has changed. Thankfully, not too bad. He's actually probably the second easiest baby in that regard for us. Um, but he is a new creation, and, and that's kind of where I want to get to today later on. But I thought it's a good place to start, too, because he's a new creation, and it's a very visual view of, of, of how we are a new creation. Because I look at him, and I joke with people at work, because I work with a lot of people in New England, and they don't necessarily have as big of families uh, with the people I work with. And they look at me, and I have, when I announced I had this, having my, my, my fifth child, and they're like, they kind of gave me that, are you crazy look? And I said, yes, I, so I moved to Texas. Uh, so I could have large children and afford to, to raise them up. And I tell them, I, it's my cloning experiment, but every time I try, I only get 50% match. So I've managed to clone about, I think, about 97% of my, my DNA now. Uh, but they don't really get it. They don't get it. And, and, and for me, it's, it's an amazing thing when you, when you bring in a new life. And it's an amazing thing when, when God has done that with us. Um, now, genetically, I am Celtic, Germanic, and Norwegian, uh, Scandinavian. So I'm not exactly Greek. And I'm not even, I'm very much not uh, uh, Jewish either. So... I don't necessarily relate to the Old Testament history, right? I mean, my people were like looking for trolls and, 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 and warring or something. I don't know what they were doing. But they, they certainly didn't have the history of being God's people, right? It's only when God brought me and adopted me into his family. That's what I want to talk about today. So let me just um, have a little bit of a prayer as we get going. God, I thank you that that individually and corporately you've brought us together. That in the work of Jesus, you ushered in a life that we can we can all have. You know, people like me who who grew up, God, now in this age as a part of your family, that's only because of, of 
the way that you took your action in Jesus and spread your love across all the world. Thank you, Lord. So the, the series titled is, uh, is Ephesians, uh, Living in God's Design. And the, the title I, I came up with for this, this sermon here, and I, I missed one sermon last week because I was with the, uh, in the nursery. It's a little bit hard to pay attention when you're, when you're um, chasing toddlers. Um, but I think, um, I think this will still be, even though I didn't hear it, I, I've, I've been reading this, this passage with Juan uh, over the course of the summer, so I really feel uh, comfortable that we know so much with God's grace, with Jesus' mercy on the cross, how he's changed us and empowered us to live a, a new life. Um, but there's still this issue of, of how does God work that out in this world? Um, really, uh, you know, in the church, in the coming of the church, how does the church and how do we act um, as a family? And that's why I want to talk about really is about family. So let's, uh, let's go to the first verse here. This is uh, my passage here is, is on this, in the second chapter of Ephesians. And as I've read through Ephesians, I just got to break into and say this, I've really, really enjoyed it as the more I've read it. Um, because it's, it's kind of like a, a, a gospel message in like six chapters. It's like the tiniest gospel you'll get. And you'll get kind of Paul's version of the gospel. And it, it's... Um, um, I'll kind of come back to that later, but it's it's the perspective on the other side of the cross. And, you know, and when we read the Gospels of what Jesus did, it's him working out God's plan and bringing it in. And Paul, kind of a half generation later, gets to say, you know, this is how it impacts us. And really this is how it gets to impact us, me, the, the Gentile, um, living far away. And so... Um, in Ephesians, for you guys who don't know, it's not next, next to Jerusalem. It's a little bit more to the north, kind of closer to, what is that, Syria, Lebanon, Turkey, Coloss, uh, was it Colossae? I don't even know how to say that word. Um, those groups of churches were closer into the, the Roman Empire, and Ephesians is a big port city, or, or, or at least a commercial center. So there's a lot of Gentile people who didn't have the cultural um, understanding of what was really the, the language of Jesus, because Jesus was first you know, to the Jew and then, then, then to the Gentile. Um, so we have to have a kind of a cultural break. And, and in here we're kind of reminded that, let's just kind of read through this. Therefore remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were one, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's a great way to encourage people. Uh, we have in here, let's go to the next slide, I call it the bleak Greek, um, kind of like, we got about five things. Oh, good, it came through. I, my handout's here and it didn't show up. Um, separate from Christ. I mean, Christ is, is the Greek translation of, of the word Messiah. So everything we think of as Messiah as, as the promised one to Israel to kind of bring in 
God's promise. That wasn't really the history for, for the, the Gentile world. Right? That's God's uh, uh, promise to the people of Israel. Right? And alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, there was no identity right, with Israel. Israel is a uh, kind of an insular society, right, because of, of their call to be a people separate for God. Now, as God, over time, he's told Israel that they will be a blessing to the world, but they're also called to be separate. And, and how that worked out really caused a lot of confusion over, over the years. And strangers to the covenant of promise, you know, the, you know, how many times has God made it or worked through a covenant of promise to his people? I mean, certainly um, um, it's the identity of everything that God's promised to the people and, and his agreement to do it. We were strangers of that. I would think most of us don't ha- have a strong Jewish background. Um, I don't. Uh, and no hope. I mean, because that, that hope is tied to what God's doing. And, you know, without God, I mean, the, the, the Gentile nations had n- notions of God, right? The, the Norse had, what, Odin and Valhalla and those places, and, and Zeus were the, were the Greek. But that wasn't, that's not, that's not God. That is a, a, a hope as best as they could have it, or as best they understood it, but not what God wanted to reveal to the world. So um, certainly... I think it's significant. It's something I, I don't necessarily always capture emotionally because I, I feel so comfortable uh, uh, having grown up as a Christian. But that's significant. It's significant when you're outside. You know, I was, I was this, I mean, culturally, identity. I mean, we have, you know, Mexico and the United States. And sort of, you know, let's say we want to build a big wall, you know, on the outside. Can't come in or can't go that way. Um, that's a significant barrier, um, and, and there's a lot of a lot of history that goes with it. And the next uh, the next uh, slide here. Uh, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I mean, isn't that a great statement of reconciliation? And there's actually this this whole uh, section we kind of get repeat, repeated again um, in verse 19. I pick it up in here in the message. Um, but that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all. Irrespective of how we got here, it's what he's building. And I think that's a... Really, an idea I'm still kind of coming to grips with. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm 40 something years old now. 40, 42, 42, uh, 42 years old, and I think I've, I came to Christ, some somewhat young, uh, uh, and that's something that's still, I'm still trying to, still learning to grasp, um, is just the nature of of how much he loves us and how much he's brought us and given us a new, a new identity. Um,
And it's really that identity um, that I think I've become most impressed with late, uh, lately. Um, as I really understood how much God wants to work through us and, and build out his kingdom on this earth and, and make us uh, uh, his agents for changing this world. I, I was just singing that little song, you know, this little light of mine. This little light, you know, this little song. Um, uh, how he uses us. And he uses that because he's brought us into his family as a new creation. But just how does that work out? And I think there's, a, there's, as I really looked into this passage, it's one of those ones where I read it through quickly and I'm like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. But every time I look into it a little bit deeper, something, something new kind of jumps out at me. Uh, but first I want to look at um, how he is our peace. The Bible calls Jesus the, the Prince of Peace. Um, really kind of going into the promise of what he's doing. Let's go to the next slide. It says in Ephesians 4, uh, 2.14 and 15, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of com- commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, and so making peace. Now I wanted to uh, talk about in here is, and this is kind of a... Um, a revelation to me. Um, uh, this this past spring, I got interested in kind of the beginnings of the Vineyard Movement. Um, it's because the beginning of the Vineyard Movement is, is, is tied to people I know in my family, and I wanted to understand like what was this big change that that really drove the Vineyard into being. And so I'm going to show you this book, but you might not want to read it because it's very um, kind of academic, and, and unless you like like uh, authors who will speak harshly of other authors and that sort of thing in sort of an academic setting. Um, it might be a little bit hard to get through. But I like calculus books, and so I like books like this. Um, it's called The Presence of the Future, and it's a, a guy by the name of George Eldon Ladd. And he had this idea, or he came to this revelation, he, he felt that the church, we had missed something about what Jesus was proclaiming. We kind of missed his ministry of proclaiming the the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven coming down upon this earth. And as I was preparing for this section, I was thinking, you know, as we become a new family and have a new identity and, and the expression of God on this earth, that really sounds like a little bit of what we say in, this, in the vineyard is kind of the, the here and the not yet. You know, we, we have in what Christ has done the, the outworking of his, of his grace in our life and the ability to express that on this world, uh, in this world. And how does he do that? I mean, this, this is kind of what this, this little section is talking about, what Jesus' great work was doing for us. He is, our, he is our peace. I mean, and peace, kind of the biblical notion of peace, as best as I studied it, which is not that great. My, my lexicons aren't really that great. Um, who made us both one. Um, that peace is really kind of the, the idea of this wholeness, Completeness under God, the peace of having things right with God, of having wholeness under Him, and Jesus is that peace for us. He's He's the one who's brought that to us. And how did He do it? He did this by breaking down in His flesh, by dying for us. You can think of in His flesh what He did for us on the cross. 
he broke it down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. So that kind, that kind of phrase kind of caught me a little bit off. Uh, uh, well, it confused me, caused me to think about it at least. Um, you know, the, if he abolished the law, what does that really mean? Well, the abolishing the law in this sense kind of means like, well, as best as I understand it, is is kind of nullifying the 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 need to follow the kind of the, the covenant side of the law, um, because later on in, in chapter six, anyways, uh, Paul reminds us that honor your your uh, your father and mother because it's the first it's the it's the first commandment that came with a promise. So Paul doesn't like leave behind the law, right? But he's making a point about the what Jesus' uh, death on the cross did for the law and our relationship to, to approach the Father and enter in to that promise. That he might create himself one new man in place of the two and so making peace. Um. And I think it's just a wonderful thing is that we don't have, it's like we're, we didn't become Jewish. The Jewish didn't become Gentiles, right? God created in him a complete man, a new man as, 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 uh, as, as Paul sometimes put it, a people that are they're, they're holy unto God. So they might reckon, so let's go to the next slide here. Uh, this is continuing on that, that same uh, paragraph. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the, the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. wanted to stop and think about peace for a moment. I kind of just looked at that. I had it circled on my, on my slides. Like, what am I going to say about that? I had something I wanted to say about it, but I just want to think about peace. It's a bunch of amazing work that Jesus has done on the cross for us. And killing the hostility, I mean, the uh, through his death, I thought there was an interesting parallel between his death on the cross, right, and him killing the the the, the animosity, that was, that was, that had, that had separated the Gentile nation from what God's promise for reconciliation through what He planned for for Israel. He broke that down and brought us together through 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 His work. Let's move on to the next slide here. It says we are His temple. This is my title, anyways. We see it taking shape. I think this is the um, the message still. By the way. If you're confused on the on the, the translation, I'm just using the uh, ESV, which is my little translation in the, the message here. We see it taking shape day by day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple which God is quite at home. And this is really the part I wanted to talk most about, is what God's building up in us. Um, I've never been the best at really kind of bringing in that notion of being put together as a temple with, with Christ as the cornerstone. I don't feel like a building. I feel like a, like a person most of the time. But the part that really captured me is 
that we are um, we're the dwelling place of his spirit. He gave us his spirit. He dwells within us individually, you know, through Christ's uh, ability to reconcile us to himself and corporately in how he works throughout us as a kind of a new nation, as a, as a family, a new family that he has built into us. Um, so there's, there's this element of kind of rightness with God and this, this, this expression amongst people as a group. And that part um, really kind of got me thinking about and, and, and excited about how he expresses his love to the world. Um, through us, through his people. Um, uh, in, in Romans, um, the next slide there, um, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Grown inwardly while we wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. I think this kind of captures a little bit of what it means to be this family of God in, in, in today's world, of what Jesus did for us, is that we have kind of the reward of what it's to be like in God's kingdom in today's world. Because if we look around, if we look at the news, we, can, we know that the world is not quite what it should be like according to God's plan. Right? It doesn't take long to, to, to read about something that's gone haywire or some tragedy that's happened. But in God's work, as he's made us into a family, he's given us the ability and the call to be the expression of what his kingdom looks like in this world. Right? He's given us the, the responsibility to come together to worship as one and express to the world what his love looks like and call out his desire to reconcile all of humanity unto himself. Let's go, let's go to the last slide here. So if we look over time, and I actually have a quote from another book by, by Mr. Ladd here um, that I'm going to read to you, if I can find it. Uh, next, next slide, please. Okay, there we go. So, in five easy steps, this is the history of humanity, right? It starts off with, with Israel's history. history. They have a unique history. And then, to what happened to the Gospels and the Acts, the Epistles and Revelation. I'm just going to read this to you. This is coming, uh, this first quote is from a book. It's obvious the intent of the Bible is to tell a story about God and his acts in history for humanity's salvation. What God reveals is not only information about himself and human destiny, he reveals himself. And this revelation has occurred in a series of historical events. And you know, that history just means the things that we see, the things that we get to take a part in, our life, our human ex- existence. That's how God acts. Israel's history is different from all other history. While God is the Lord of all history, 
In one series of events, God has revealed himself as he has nowhere else done. And I think that really, to me, brought that there was a separation, and that separation between Gentile and Jew has been significant. The Gospels record the works and words of Jesus. The Acts relate the establishment and extension of the movement set up by Jesus' ministry. And the Epistles uh, explicate further the meaning of Jesus' redemptive mission. And in Revelation, we see the consummation kind of the completeness of where God's heading to us. The Revelation outlines the consummation of the redemptive work of Christ for the world and human history, which is made possible because of what he has done in history. And finally, um, I just want to quote here from, from Matthew. This is uh, Matthew twelve twenty eight and 29. And this is Jesus responding He says, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man? Then indeed the house can be plundered. And I've, to me that was the, that was kind of the, the the big statement of this book. Um, But to me that, that ties in so neatly with what Jesus has done on the cross and brought to us a family identity. Because that family identity is not a passive one where we say, where we passively wait for God to kind of come and, 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 and do something. He's called us into a family of action. You know, a dynamic family. You know, as, as new people are born, as my child is born, he needs to nurse as he is right now. He needs to grow first on you know what is simple and and appropriate for his maturity and as he grows up he will to express that out into the world right and so i think that's what god's called us together as a family and and really my um kind of my call to action or or, or my or my the thing i wanted to leave you with is really I think it's easy to get ourselves isolated. And so I wanted to kind of have us kind of group up, if you'll do this for me, um, maybe into five or six or whatever the appropriate size small groups are. And maybe we could just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to move in us and reveal a little bit of of what that community and what how he wants us to, to outwork what it means to be family, what it works, what it means to be part of His new creation, um, to be His 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 light into this world. So, um, with that, I'll I'll um, actually you all stand up. I'm not going to pray yet. I'll make you all stand. I feel powerful. All right. So let's. Well, we have three different sections. So let's kind of get um, maybe two groups. You guys get in two groups. A group over here and then a group in the center. All right? And I want to... Um, now let's make sure we have one of the prayer leaders in each of these, these little sections here because um, I just want to bless people. I want to bless us with, um, with, with the love of God and just remind us. So, so this kind of gives us a chance to kind of Get some prayer time if you don't normally like to get prayer time. 
not really a, a difficult prayer time, but just a blessing from God. Lord, I, I pray that you will leave us with a reminder of how much you love us and leave us with a reminder of how much you have come to dwell amongst us. Lord, I pray you'd remind us of, of how much you love this world and you love to bring people close to you and how you've torn down the barriers that, that have separated us from you and have separated us from your call um, of what it means to be a family in this world, Lord. So thank you, Lord. Amen.